Well, it's uh, my pleasure um, to be up here again before you guys, to bring the word this morning. Uh, it's a great time to be alive, is it not? It's cool. Uh, a lot of things going on in the world. Uh, God has called us out of the world uh, to be his people, specifically chosen for uh, the execution of his will on the earth, on the planet. And I think that's, that's an awesome thing uh, in times of great darkness like we have today. Uh, let me start us off in prayer. Uh, Lord God, we just, we just uh, are amazed by your grace, Lord God. Father, you are awesome. There's none like you, Lord God. There will never be another God. None can replace you, Lord. All other gods are false and crumble. And uh, Father, I just thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We're gathered here in your name for your purpose, Lord God. Father, to exalt your name, to lift you up, to declare that you're the greatest and most important thing in existence. Father, that existence and life and the universe centers around you, O oh God, and, and we're here to share together in worship, Lord God, as we lift up voices to you, Lord God, as we lift up hearts to you, Lord. Father, I pray that your words speak to us greatly. Father, that, uh, I thank you, Lord, that you've been impacting my life uh, through studying, Lord God, for this sermon throughout the week. Father, it's just been amazing and awesome, Lord God, and I just, uh, I'm appreciative of uh, who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now, what you will do in all of our lives, God. Make us more like Christ today, Lord, through these words. Help me to get out of your way, Lord God, so that your word may just do its work by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Cool. So I will be, I, I remember to set my timer today, so I, I'm not going to go over. I promise, I promise, all right? <laughs> um, it's going to be there, reminding me of when to shut up. Uh, <laughs> But cool, uh, I hope everybody's looking forward to uh, the season, the upcoming holidays. Uh, I, and I know I'm not talking about Christmas, all right, because there's a little holiday that we got to get to before we get there, all right, before the, you know, don't, don't listen to the retailers. There is a holiday coming up this week. Uh, of course, we're talking about uh, National Gluttony Day. Uh, going to eat a lot of turkey. Gonna, no, I'm just, just kidding. Uh, Thanksgiving, we're talking about Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm very much looking forward to eating a lot of food to the point where possibly my respiratory system might be hindered a little bit, might not be able to breathe as well. Uh, going to my mom's house is going to be real, real good. Uh, a lot of pork, a lot of uh, turkey, a lot of uh, all the good stuff, Spanish food. It's going to be good. Cool. So in this sermon, uh, thank God, by the way, for, for my praying wife. Uh, she was praying for me this morning, and something came to me as, as she was praying for me that that really um, helped me to kind of ease some fears of me being up here proclaiming the word of God today. And that is uh, simplicity. Um, I think the, the passage that we're about to get into in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, if you want to scroll there real quick. Paul is really clear about what he's trying to say. And so for the most part, I'd like to just get out of Paul's way and just let the word do its thing. Is that all right? Is that, is that cool? All right, because I, I think you're better off hearing from Paul than from me, than my opinion, right? So um, this is definitely a, a sermon that's been, um, as I'm working on it, as I'm putting it together, the Lord's been really working on my heart, y'all. So I'm preaching to myself. I don't mean to say that every time I preach. I promise I'm not going to say that every time I preach. But definitely he's been working on my heart as far as uh, our topic today, being thankful for one another. All right. So starting off with a little analogy, so a little sports analogy. Anybody familiar with the name Dennis Rodman, ex-NBA player? By raise of hands. All right. Some of you might know him as the dude, the tall dude that went to North Korea and did some, some interesting things. All right. Um, Dennis Rodman 
was uh, an awesome basketball player. He's now in the NBA for Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, actually. And he's been, was part of several championship teams. Uh, one of them was the, the Chicago Bulls, which were the bane of my existence as a Knicks fan back in the 90s. Uh, didn't like them very much. And I wanted to read you guys a quote from Scottie Pippen, one of his teammates. And of course, we know that his most famous teammate, uh, Dennis Rodman's famous teammate when he was in the Bulls in the 90s was Michael Jordan. So this is what Scotty said, right? He said, um, people wondered how Michael Jordan and I would receive Dennis when he came to the Bulls in 1995. We were all aware of Dennis's history, but we were not going to let that distract us or deter us from what we were trying to do as a team. Most importantly, we believed he could come in and help us if he did what he was capable of doing on the basketball court. So this was kind of, there was controversy swirling around this person, this individual, Dennis Rodman. I mean, did, did things on the court and off the court that stirred up trouble, just, you know, negative attention that he was drawing to himself. And people were wondering, okay, he's coming to this championship team. Is he going to mess up the chemistry of the team? And this, that's what Scotty said. He was like, well, I, we, we feel like we could look past his deficiencies and his flaws to recognize his value. And that's, I think, one of the themes that Paul is talking about in this verse. And I'm going to read it in a little bit. But I, I want to also kind of set it up a little bit in my own life. So there's been times, and maybe, maybe some of us has, have encountered that in our own work lives, where we're at work and we're part of a team, and there's this one coworker that's just stank, like has an attitude. It's difficult to work with, right? But you work with them because you recognize that they have value to the team, and so you're willing to, okay, you're going to overlook the, the, the rude comments and, and the, the crazy sarcasm and stuff like that in order to draw from them the benefit for the team in order to complete the mission at hand, right? In order to, for the project or whatever to be successful. I think all of us can, can kind of relate to that. And so, you know, I, I've, I've been through that. And uh, there was recently an engineer from, from Virginia that was very difficult to work with, very sarcastic. Uh, but we did that. You know, we, we drew out of him what we needed. He was, his information, his input was very valuable to us, and it led to the success of my project a couple years ago. So Paul expresses a similar idea, but in a much, 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 much greater way. So here we have uh, what the, the, the word calls is the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, but I want to encourage y'all in that a lot of scholars have recognized this to actually be a second letter from Paul to the Corinthians in this series. Uh, we've lost two of the letters, according to a lot of scholars, um, the first letter, and, and you can see kind of evidences of that in the, the, the books of First and Second Corinthians, where there's a, a clue that the Corinthian church has been asking him questions in response to something that he initially sent to them. So he, he addressed issues in the church, in their church, at the church in Corinth. They responded to him with questions, and this is his second time uh, responding to them and addressing uh, some serious issues going on. All right, in the, in the church at Corinth. So here are some of the issues that he lists throughout 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all right? And this is just a shortened list. It doesn't necessarily reflect all of the issues. The church in Corinth had divisions among them. They were looking to worldly men and philosophers for wisdom rather than to God. There was sexual immorality in the camp and, and issues with dealing with that sexual immorality. They were taking each other to court, suing each other. There was marriage issues, just confusion about what marriage is and how to respond to certain things. Uh, they responded inappropriately to issues in the Corinthian culture itself. 
Uh, there was criticism against Paul. A lot of us can relate to that for sure. Uh, people questioning his apostleship even. Uh, there was practicing of, of idolatry. And of course, I think one of the things that 1 Corinthians is uh, most famous for uh, kind of unpacking is the series of issues going on in their public worship. They were doing things that were off-key uh, when they gathered together for worship that he, he didn't feel were um, glorifying to God. So he wanted to address and correct some of those issues. So the main theme of the sermon today, despite all of this, despite their jacked-upness, nice word today, word of the day, um, despite all that, despite all their faults, Paul thank, he thanked God always for them. Let's read. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm at verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you till the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says that he's always, despite all the things that he had to address in the church at Corinth, and be clear, he is referring to the believers, the Christians at Corinth. And you can tell in verse 2, he says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. There is a lot of language here where he's pointing to the believers, the Christians, all right? Despite all that stuff, he's saying to those Christians, I always thank God for you, always. So let his words encourage us today to be grateful and thankful to God for one another, for those of us that are in the body of Christ and saved this morning, amen? So there are three categories of the grace of God that produce this gratitude in Paul's heart. Y'all ready for this? Cool. Because this, 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 this hit me hard, all right? So starting at verse four. So number one, the first category of the grace of God that has produced this gratitude in Paul is past grace, all right? Verse four, because of the grace of God, that was given you in Christ Jesus. Given, before, past tense, right? Paul says basically this. There was a time where you were not saved, but now you are. And you, if you think about where we all were, right? Literally, before we all got saved, we were enlisted in a vast army of rebels against Almighty God. That was our status. We were enlisted in the rebel army against God. We, we were all lined up, you know, saluting our captain. The, the Bible says that Satan is our father when, we, when we're not following Christ Jesus. And we, we, all, we all had our uniforms. We had one patch that said YOLO, you only live once. The other patch on the other arm said, I'm going to do me. 
We were all about ourselves. We were our own gods. That's what we were. That was our status before Christ Jesus performed something miraculous. God. And my favorite term in the Bible is but God. But God. He came and he interfered. He was like, no, this ain't happening. And he literally, for everybody who's saved, I wish we would take a moment sometimes, and, I, and I've had to do this a lot in my own life, just take a moment as to what you're, and think about what you're looking at when you see a person that's saved. You're looking at a person that God ripped away from darkness. Ripped. In, in cases like mine, kicking and screaming, like, like I, there was a point where I just couldn't deny that God was trying to get my attention. And I was like, okay, all right, all right, I'm here, all right. Like, you know, he literally ripped us individually out of darkness, put us into this marvelous light, gave us his Holy Spirit that gives us a new nature, new inclinations, gives us a new heart that can respond to him. The Bible says that he removes the heart of stone that's just not able to respond to him. It's like, it's like this wooden platform, you, you knock on it and it's just dead. But a heart of, he gives us a heart of flesh that when you poke it, it, there's a reaction there. There's a movement. He gives us a heart of flesh that has affections for him. Literally put that in us. Set us apart for his purposes. We responded after that with faith. We believed. We repented. We obeyed. All because God interfered. We would have never, ever done it on our own. Never. The Bible says by grace that we're saved, not that of our own works, so that nobody can boast. That's in the, book of, in the, in the letter that Paul wrote to the, letter, to, to the church in, in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. And then, on top of all that, we stand, the sinful us that used to be in this rebel army, we stand justified, declared right before God, righteous, because we've believed in his son. And we have the perfection that, that, that Christ earned is bestowed upon us in this thing called the great exchange, the glorious exchange, where we give Jesus our sins, he was executed for our sins, he gives us his righteousness, so that when, we, when the Father looks at us, he sees the perfection and righteousness of his Son and is pleased with us. I don't know about y'all, but that's, that's, that's awesome to me. So when you see a believer, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a product of grace. God has taken the time and effort to do that. So that should well up in you just a a sense of gratitude. Wow, look at the grace of God poured out into that person. So that's an example of a past grace. And I'm sure, you know, one of the things things that uh, Nancy and I did when we first got to this church was go to uh, a luncheon after service where we got to sit. We went to the Mangum's house and we got to sit and talk about our testimonies. You know, when was the last time you heard a, a testimony of a person in this church, maybe that you, whose, whose testimony you're not familiar with? You know, I would encourage y'all, let's, let's do that more often, you know, just to kind of see how great God has been in each other's lives and, and, and have gratitude well up in our hearts more so for each other. Look at verse 5 with me. This is a, another point of, uh, another point Paul makes that gives him gratitude for the believers. It says, in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, and all knowledge. So Paul recognizes that God has been doing something in the lives of the people in Corinth. Think about, if, if you look up what Corinth was and the culture of Corinth, it was pretty wicked. It was, it was like Sin City before Vegas. Like, it was, it was pretty crazy. 
And we might see the, the issues going on in, in, in the, the, the letters to the, the Corinthian church in First and Second Corinthians, but realize that they were much worse than this. God has been working on them, sanctifying them, ripping them away from that culture and making them conform into the image of Christ over time. There were still some things that they were immature in, but they had made leaps and bounds. And so that was recognized by Paul. And he was like, I thank God for that. Some of us kind of just focus on the negativity written about in First and Second Corinthians. But Paul sees the greatness in the grace of God on display in the lives of the people in Corinth. They overcame a lot already up until this point. They've, they've conquered sin in their lives because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. There's a lot of things that they've changed. A lot of, a lot of repentance has taken place. Paul recognizes that. He said, in every way, you, you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. So their, their mannerisms, their way of living, their, their way of, of thinking and speaking and doing was, were different. They were more God-honoring. They were glorifying to God. More and more, little by little over time. They were growing in their knowledge of God. Check this, check this out. This is later on in the same letter to the, the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 6.11 Right before that, Paul lists out a list of sins. Like, these people shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And for time's sake, you, know, you can definitely go read it on your own, but I want to get straight to verse 11. He says, and that is what some of you were. He lists out these egregious sins, right? And he's like, some of you were that. So he's recognizing the difference, the change in them. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He recognized that. He gave thanks to God for that. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen each other grow in this church, right? Even for myself, there's been growth of me, there's been growth of my wife. I've seen growth in you. Let's be thankful to God for that. Paul was. And as we sit in our small groups, as we as we look at each other go through trials, as we see um, sin being overcome, as each of us practice to one another's and, and pray for one another and confess our sins to one another, we'll see that progress more and more, welling up to more thanksgiving to God for what he's done, for the grace poured out. Look at verse six with me. The testimony of, about Christ was confirmed among you. The church in Corinth was literally walking billboards about the power of God and the work of Jesus Christ in the life of an individual. They were literally living confirmations. Later on in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, Paul calls them this, living epistles. He says, you are our letter from Christ. Literally, we're living epistles, living testimonies of the work and the power of God, what God is able to do in the lives of an individual. So when Paul sees the, the church in Corinth, he sees that. He's re- he remembers that. Wow, look at the power of God in that person. I can't, that's unbelievable. And, and if you knew somebody before they got saved, wow, look, they were this and now they're this. They're a new thing. They're a new creature. Which is another term that Paul uses in his letters to the Corinthians. So they were exhibiting evidences of salvation, all right? That's the basics of what Paul's saying there. The, the testimony of Christ, they... There was proof that Christ is who he says he was in the people. So they were evidence that he is the only way to salvation, the only way to have eternal life, the only way to be 
a, a, a different thing from what this world is um, trying to make us be. A, a, a departure from the system that's into this world that Satan has built into this world. And that should give us a, a, a boost of encouragement. That should be something that when we think about, when we meditate on it, we're like, wow, God, you've really done something in that person's life. And it gives you more confidence that he's going to do something in you. Point two. So we talked about past grace. Now Paul talks about present grace. Look at the beginning of verse seven with me. It says, you are not lacking any gift. Paul talks about the gifts given to us as believers according to 1 Corinthians 12 by the Holy Spirit. So let me read this real, real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in every one, it is the same God at work. The same God at work in all of us. All of the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Another translation says, as the spirit wills, he gives the gifts. So not every believer is going to have every gift of the Holy Spirit. And you guys can go read what those gifts are. But every believer will have at least one gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? For the common good. For the common good. We work together as a collective body of Christ. Think about Voltron or, or in, in more familiar terms, maybe Power Rangers, the Megazord. Uh, no, no. Did, did I just lose half the crowd? Uh, <laughs> think about a robot, right, that's, that is composed of smaller robots, all right? And that's a really simple uh, kind of analogy, but that's how the body of Christ is. We're one body where Christ is the head controlling the body. He's, he's central command. He's HQ, headquarters. And we're, we're the rest. We're, we're the, the, the functioning parts of the body that Christ commands. And so we each have our role. There's no part in our body that has not at one point or another had a vital role. Right? So each of us has a piece and a part to play in the work of God on this earth. If you think about it this way, we are literally all provisions from God. Something to be thankful for. Like, God has provided. Each one of you that is saved in this room, God has provided to this local body. You're a gift to this local body. And so, when you receive a gift, it's kind of rude to not be thankful, right? Even if it's socks on Christmas, right? <laughs> like, Thank you, socks with the deer on it, you know. Looking like an ugly sweater anyway. <laughs> but we, we're supposed to be thankful for any gift given, right? So we're literally gifts to each other from God with provisions. So God has a purpose and a plan here in St. Mary's County, and you were provided to this church in order for him to execute that plan. You're a provision. You're a gift. Each and every one of you. Verse 7b, the, the, the last portion of verse 7. It says, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a sense in Paul that people are waiting. There's a longing. There's, they're they're in, in there with him kind of like, okay, Lord, when are you coming? When, when, when is this going to end? When, you know, there, there's a longing there for something greater. And we all share in that. And when we think about each other, we should 
be reminded that we're in the same battle. Each, of, each and every one of us, we're fighting the same battle. Satan is on, I mean, he's, he's attacking in ways that are just so hurtful, so nasty in this way, sending his agents into this world to disrupt and steal, kill, and destroy. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to bring life and life in abundance, and we're sharing in that life. But at the same time, there's a longing, there's a waiting. We're anticipating together. We're fighting the battles. Look what Paul says to the letter um, to the church in Philippi. In, uh, Philippians 1, verses 23 to 24. He says, I am torn between the two. It's talking about heaven and here on earth. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Amen, right? But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he has a longing, this thing, like, I really, really don't want to be here, y'all. I want to be with God. I want to be with Christ. I want to be in a place where there's no more tears, no more suffering, no more jihadists, no more crazy posts on Facebook, no more, no, no junk, just the presence of God and his goodness and his people and worship. It's going to be awesome, beyond awesome. So Paul recognizes that and he's thankful. He's thankful that he has people in the battle with him. How am I doing on time? <laughs> I'm 30 minutes over now. Okay. Um, so future grace. Uh, verse 8. He says, who will sustain you to the very end? This is the first part of verse 8. Who will sustain you to the very end? God is sustaining by the power of the Holy Spirit a people to himself who will persevere until their final dying breath. And once he saves somebody, they, they will persevere. And Paul recognizes that as a, the pouring out of God's grace in the lives of the people in Corinth. He's like, wow, God is sustaining them. And I can tell by the, their, their constant battle with sin. They're constantly trying to get away from the things of this world so that they can worship. So they can worship God by obedience, by living out his purposes, by living out the Great Commission to make disciples. He's recognizing that he's grateful for God. He's grateful to God for them. Look at the second half of verse 8 guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. They have been, along with Paul, acquitted of many, many, many sins. Many sins. And when Paul sees them, he remembers that. And he's thankful to God for that. Wow. He knows their past, some of them. He knows their past struggles. And he's like, God has forgiven you of much. And he's forgetting, and it reminds him of the, the, how God has forgiven himself of many, many things. And he's thankful to God. And he recognizes that together with those believers in Corinth, one day they're going to stand guiltless and blameless as the bride of Christ, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. They're going to stand there together blameless, no weight of sin, completely guiltless before Almighty God. He's looking forward to that. Future grace. So that was past grace, present grace, and future grace. So let's get into a little bit of application. And I want to list off some things that Paul mentions here as far as the description of believers. All right? And let these things kind of encourage us to, to see other believers and be thankful to God. Because this is how the Bible describes us. Pay close attention. So it says in 1 Corinthians that we, in chapter 3, it says that we are God's fellow workers. His field, his building. So we are literally people that God is providing for 
on a daily basis. People that God is what the Bible calls sanctifying, making more into the image of Christ, helping them to kill the flesh, helping them to increase in godliness. God is cultivating that in his people. This is, that's something else that Paul mentions in the first letter to the Corinthians that we have. If they're dear to God's heart and God's taking the time to provide for them and to cultivate them in that way, they are his bride, they're his treasure, then we should have those same affections for one another. We should be grateful in that way for one another. And it should remind us of our own status with God, that God has taken care of us as well. The Bible says that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession of God, a special possession of God. Any possession of God, I think, is something that we should be thankful for, any possession of God. We are his workmanship, somebody that God is working on to bring his glory about on this earth. This is from Philippians chapter 2. Paul reminds us that God works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. God is cultivating that. God is pouring out a lot of effort and grace into people that's completely undeserving. And he's working and making us more into Christ so that this world may know him and may know that he is the Lord. So what does this do? What does it do when we don't have this gratitude? And I'll touch on this very briefly. Basically, it, it hinders our ability to maximize living in a 1 Corinthians 12 kind of way. Think about a puzzle piece, all right? Like, uh, my, my, uh, my son Adai, he loves putting together puzzles. And when they're not all the way locked into place, there, there's a level of, like, you can just kind of swipe at it and the, the, the puzzle comes apart, right? It's only when he locks them in place firmly that you can collectively see the, the bigger picture, right? It makes more sense, and they stay in place so that you can continue to build. I think great, uh, uh, having gratitude towards one another, thankfulness to God towards, uh, for, for one another, I think is that, that binding, one of the, those binding pieces that keeps us closely knit. When you see somebody and you see them as a provision of God, as somebody that God has taken the time to do all this stuff for and provide for, and somebody that's got, that God has brought into your life, you're going you're gonna to be closer to that person. You're going to recognize the value in that person. That this person isn't just some, some schmo that you can just walk past and it's no big deal. Every believer is a big deal. Not to, not to pump our heads full of gas here, but we, we're, we're a big deal. We're, we're saved people, like people that are distinct from this world, this world that is dying and crumbling. And God has chosen a people to represent him here on the face of the earth. So that's, that's not your average thing. All right? Look at, well, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 21 to 22, Paul talks about a little bit about uh, how the uh, different parts of the body should appreciate each other, right? Like the eye can't say to the feet, I don't need you, right? I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with that passage. And look at this one little quote that I want to read to you from that passage. It says, the parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So let's not play this like, well, this guy is annoying and this guy has some sin issues. And sin, like, we need to have a thankfulness towards God to every believer in Christ. Because the parts that we think are the least, 
or the, or the throwaway parts, they're still a part of this body and are still needed. So don't think about them as throwaways. Don't ever think about a believer as a throwaway. We're all needed. We're all provisions from God. So a quick heart check. Do you believe these things about your siblings in Christ, about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is all you see is a list of faults? Or are they just simply a saint that's on the road of sanctification and just on a different lane than you? I've been guilty of this, like looking down on people because they don't struggle with the things that I, like I don't struggle with the things that they struggle with. But I need to look at at the other end of that and realize that there are things that they do better than me. Things that I struggle with, they don't. And so sometimes I devalue people and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I, I, I look at faults too much. And I apologize to anybody that I've done to that I've done that to in this church. I ask for your forgiveness, and I, I have done that. There are things that I've had to apologize to the elders for in this church, and they've been gracious enough to accept my apology. Just, just sin. It, it's just you, 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 you think lesser of the other person. The Bible says you shouldn't think more of yourself than you ought. But their provision of God, they have gifts that are valuable to this body and to the universal body of Christ. So let's look at each other in that way. So here's a quick summary of what Paul uh, basically shared with us here as to the reasons why he's grateful for the people in Corinth. God's grace has been bestowed upon them. They've grown in speech and knowledge. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in them. So they're literally walking billboards of the grace and the glory of God. This is what the believers are. God's given them gifts, given them supernatural gifts, by the way, that make them so valuable to the body of Christ and the world abroad. We all have our place to play in God's, in the kingdom of God's force on this earth and influence. So we're all waiting for that day when we're going to stand before Christ, guiltless, as he sustains us throughout all of our years, as chosen, as saved people of God. That's a quick summary of what he said inspired this gratitude towards the people in Corinth. People that sometimes when we read these letters, we're like, these people are jacked up, full of jacked upness. <laughs> cool. So in verse 9, Paul kind of gives us a, like a, a nice little brief summary explanation, kind of like a nice little wrap-up to this gift of Scripture um, that, he, that we were blessed with. He says, God is faithful. He reminds the church in Corinth. And, th- and I think he's just kind of thinking out loud in a way here. God is faithful. He who has called you into fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's saying God is faithful. We both serve a God who does not fail and keeps his promises. So in each other, God is working. And he's going to be faithful to complete the work that he started. So let's be thankful to God for that grace in each other's lives. Until that day that we see him. Amen. So what's at stake here? And, and you know, going back to the, the NBA analogy, you know, again, remember, for those of you especially that knew Dennis Rodman as a, as a basketball player, the man had hops. The man was a defensive machine. He was a rebounding giant, led the league in rebounding many years. He's in the Hall of Fame for reason, for good reason. But Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, who on average, were better players than him, recognize his value. 
And because of that, they won three rings together, three championships in the NBA. So let's be united as we have gratitude towards one another so that we can win a quote-unquote championship. <laughs> you know, realize that when we stand before God and he tells us, well done, good and faithful servant, nobody will get there just by themselves. Nobody. Nobody in this room will get there without the influence of another believer. Nobody. Think about that. That's really important to consider. I saw something on Facebook yesterday, and I'm going to conclude, that was very, very, very disturbing. Uh, and I'm not going to uh, share the gruesome details here. And, and you know, I, I, you know it, it's crazy. The, these little videos that are on Facebook sometimes expose me to things that I wish I had never seen. So I, I've seen like, things like you know, beheadings, terrorist groups doing crazy stuff, um, accidents happening. But what I saw yesterday... It, it just shocked me to the core. I was shook. It, it was just, it, it was violent. Uh, it was sick. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I'm like almost shaking. Like, God, that, that's horrible. And it's going on. I mean, stuff like that is going on in this country. Um, it, was, it was a couple guys in a fight, but, it, and it, it just went south really quickly. Um, there's a lot of sin in this world. There's a lot of um, depravity. There's a lot of just lack of reverence and honor of God and his ways in this world. There's no time to waste, y'all, in having a lack of gratitude for one another. We, we, we cannot lack that. We have to be unified. You know, this is cliche, but for such a time as this, right? Like we live in a crazy day and age. The world more than ever needs to see the body of Christ united. The, more, the world more than ever needs to see the body of Christ at the forefront of bringing peace, justice, wisdom. More than ever, the body of Christ is needed now. So let's not waste time by devaluing one another. Let's see the value that each of us brings to the table and thank God and have an attitude of thankfulness because that's, that's a heart condition, right? It's going to be obvious when, you, when you're not grateful to God for an individual, that's going to that's show eventually. That's going to show up in your attitude and, and, and how you think about him, how you interact with that person. That's going to come up sooner or later. Listen, we're all links in the chain. And if you think about links in the chain, what, what happens when a link, if a link, you know, metaphorically speaking, all of a sudden, be like, all of a sudden decided to be like, nah, whatever, I'm not, I, don't like this, I don't like this link. I'm, not, I'm going to go over here. The, the chain isn't useful anymore. So let's be strong links in the chain. Let's, let's recognize the value of each chain, of each link in the chain. All right? And be grateful to God for those things. So lastly, are you part of this chain? Are you a believer this morning? Have you been saved by the grace of God this morning? I, I just want to make it abundantly clear that um, morality is not Christianity, all right? Being a part of this body of Christ, is a, there's a clear description as to what that is and what that is not in the word of God. And, and I just want to challenge you. Are you sitting here today and your affections aren't for Christ? For Christ? Are, are, you, are, you not, are you nonchalant about his will? Do you, not, do you not really care about whether or not people, other people get saved? Do you not really care about living out a life that he's called you to live out on this world? 
Because if you, if you belong in that camp, that you're not in this circle of people that Paul is saying he's grateful for. Now, I'm not saying don't be grateful for unbelievers, right? Because they still bear the image of God. There's still a lot of value in them. But are, do you belong to this body of Christ? Have you believed in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And have you repented of your sin? Are you living a life that's constantly growing in repentance and adoration towards God? Because the Bible says in John chapter 3, it says, whoever believes in the Son has life, but whoever does not obey the Son, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You're still in the rebel army. And if that's you this morning, please talk to me, talk to one of the leaders this morning, one of the elders or whomever you see is mature in this church and really just have a long chat with them. Cry out to God for salvation. So yeah, so let's, let's be grateful for one another as believers and, and let's do this. Let's, let's impact this world for the glory of the kingdom of God. Uh, and so in prayer. Lord, Father, we just, uh, we're amazed by your word, God. Your word is just, there's nothing that it doesn't cover. There's nothing that it doesn't cover, God. Everything that we need for life and godliness is found in your word. And I just pray, Father, that it be a continual influence in our lives with God. I pray that these words, this heart that is on full display in your servant Paul, I pray that this attitude be our attitude, God. Father, that you give us an attitude of gratitude, that you give us an attitude of thankfulness towards you for the grace that you've poured out lavishly on those whom you call your servants today. Thank you, God, for this time, and Father, seal this word in our hearts, Father, and help us to glorify you this Thanksgiving holiday, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.